0: Well, I want to talk to you about cultivating supernatural increase, the process of cultivating supernatural increase uh, in your life. We have talked about so far six factors that uh, produce supernatural increase. And again, we're not talking about what you can do in your flesh, what you can do with your toil, but what God can do with His hand upon your life. And the first one is we, we just simply have to walk in His ways, walk in the truth, and have an Amen. And then, of course, we have to deal with the thing called faithfulness and diligence. We have to be tithers. We have to be, what, sowers. And we have to, what, be believing believers. So tonight, by, by the time we're done tonight, this uh, weekend on Sunday, we're going to kind of segue into the seventh factor, which I'll introduce tonight. But the point is, um, if you're not careful, you think that your increase is outside of you. Somebody else's behavior, somebody else, what they do, Somebody else that you're dependent upon. And the fact that supernatural increase is not outside of you, it's actually within you. It's on the inside of you. It's birthed and produced and harvested all on the inside of you. In other words, the breakthroughs are going to take place on the inside of you long before they take place on the outside of you. Now, inside of you tonight is a miracle. And cultivation is not something that happens overnight. But if you'll be steadfast, you will see that whatever it is you're planting here is going to harvest in your life, particularly with all the seed that you've had on increase. You've had some seed sown into your hearts regarding increase. Now, your faith level should be higher than when we first started. So I want you to go with me to a few familiar scriptures and go first of all to Genesis chapter 8. And I'm going to read this to you from the ESV. But uh, to cultivate simply means to prepare and use land for crops or gardening. It's not real complicated, but it means to prepare and use. Say it with me, prepare and use. And that kind of tips on hand tonight because you just don't fall off a turnip truck and then grow a crop. Now, we have some, you know, farmers in this, in this you know, church, for example, and the, uh, Um, This is a year-round thing between preparing and plowing and sowing and harvesting. It's a big deal. It's a lot of work. Look at somebody say it's a lot of work. Um, On the other hand, if you do everything just right, even in the natural, you get great crops. How much more so should you get great crops when you're talking about supernatural spiritual sowing and raping? And this is what it says in Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Why should we understand the concept of seed time and harvest in every area of life? Because this thing's not going away. It's simply here to stay. As long as the earth endures, well, we know the earth's going to have a renovation. We know there's going to be a new heavens, a new earth. But it's still going to be called what? Earth. So how long is the earth going to endure? All the eternity. So seed time and harvest will be a principle that we will walk in and enjoy and benefit from for all the eternity. Now, aren't you glad on the other side we're going to be a lot faster at this? Everything will be accelerated on the other side, but it will basically be the same principle of seed time and harvest. There are some things that are going to cease on the other side. For example, uh, speaking in tongues is not something that's going to survive that transition. Does that make sense? Why? There's some things that aren't going to be necessary on that other end. But I'll tell you what, it's very necessary here. We need every gift and every ability we can possibly muster. And we know that things like love will remain forever and ever, and faith will remain forever and ever, and hope will remain forever and ever. But when it comes to the principles plainly stated in Scripture, seed time and harvest is not going anywhere. By the same token, they'll still be day and night, not in that city going to be quite bright, amen, in that city. Why is it going to be bright in that city? Because the Lord himself is is the light. There will be, you know, summer and winter. And if you don't believe that, just hang around Kentucky and it will change. You can have spring, summer, fall, and winter all within a span of five days if you live in western Kentucky. Um, that's not going to change, but I can tell you this, the, the weather will not be under a curse then. The weather will be under a blessing then, and uh, isn't that a blessing? Yes, it is. Go to Galatians chapter five for a moment. Actually, I'm in Galatians six. When you found it, say I'm there. Okay, somebody's there. Galatians six, just uh, from the New King James. Uh, Verse 6 through 9, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. The doing good here is talking about in your sowing, in your giving, in your investment in the kingdom of God, in your serving God. Do not grow weary while doing good. Why would he say that? Because it's possible for Christians to do what? He's not saying this because he's making stuff up. The reason he's doing this is because apparently people in the Galatian church and others are getting weary. You don't have to be in the Galatian church to get weary. How many know you can be in the Hope Harbor church and get weary? So this applies to us is the day that he he wrote this. To encourage us, keep on sowing, keep on giving, keep on serving, keep on investing, keep on doing what you're doing. For in due season we shall reap. Now, that's an apostolic, right, statement. It is the word of the Lord, we shall reap. Yes. Say like you believe it, I shall reap. I shall reap. But there's a caveat there, and what is it? If I don't lose heart, if I don't quit, if I don't throw in the towel, then I'm going to reap. You see this? Nothing can stop you from supernatural increase unless you stop it yourself. That's why there's a battle for your heart. That's why there's a battle for your emotions. That's why there's a battle for your mind, for your thought life. Not because necessarily it won't work for you. There's a battle because it is working for you. And the only way for the devil to stop this in your life is to get you to throw it down. Our breakthrough comes first on the inside. Our increase is not out there. It's, it's, it, you know, it's cultivated on the inside of us. But if we stop the process of cultivation for whatever reason the devil talks us into, the result is the same. We will reap a harvest if we what? Faint not. So this has to be a high priority of yours. And you know, some of us can do real well and see time and harvest for a day or two, a month or two, or even a few years. But at times people get put out and tired, whatever, and then begin to, you know, back away from the things that they believe God, the things they're trusting God for. And the end is it just delays the good thing God has in your life. So the promise is you're going to reap. Mom said I'm a reaper. I'm going to reap. If what? If I faint not. Now you say, well, I don't know if I believe that. That's why we talked about being a believer. Because a believer does what? Believes what God said. And God said, you're going to reap. And a believer is going to say, yes, amen. Amen. And they're also going to say, if I don't faint, that I'm going to reap. Why is this important? Because this is a, a process. This is not a slot machine. It's not a soda machine you, know, you put in the money and sometimes you get your drink out. You know, that's not how this works at all. It's, there's a process involved and it requires that you and I are diligent and steadfast all the way through this thing. And we continue to be that way. And then we just practice this as a cyclical lifestyle all the days of our life. Uh, go to Genesis 26 with me. and Let's look at just a moment. Somebody who knew a little bit about seed time and harvest and about the blessing. Abraham had a son of the promise. And what was his name? Isaac. Isaac. And Isaac began to look around at the condition in the land. He noticed there were famine conditions. There wasn't water. Things weren't growing. And so his immediate thought is, well, I need to take myself and mine out of here because this isn't the place to be. We pick this up in chapter 26, verse 1. Now there is a famine in the land. Besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt in that plain. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Do you see this? If you're not careful, you think, Well, if I go over here, if I'll go over there, then I'll have a harvest. If I will move over here, then everything's going to be fine. If I'll go over to this place, or this town, or this state, or whatever, then that's going to be the key. Can I tell you why that's wrong? It's wrong because wherever you are, that's where you are. The problem is not Timbuktu, Kentucky, California, South America, Central America, Europe. the The focus or the the place where God does us cultivating is in your heart. So it doesn't make any difference geographically where you are as long as you're where God has told you to be because it's not that ground in Kentucky or Canada or Tennessee that's producing the harvest. It's the ground of your heart that's producing the harvest. The reason it's important that I be where God called me to be and you be where you're supposed to be is because it gives us confidence. I'm smack dab in the middle of God's will, so my heart is going to be on maximum cultivating power. I have confidence so that's where I'm supposed to be. And that's one of the reasons why the devil will try to confuse your purpose and your destination so you're chasing your tail instead of waking up into yourself and saying it's not the location, it's the condition. Come on, say it with me. It's not my location. It's my condition. Well, you know, Abraham, uh, Isaac thinking like a natural man in terms of that, and it's understandable why. But he said, don't go down there. Stay in this land for a while, and I'll be with you and bless you. Now, if God is with you, guess what? Everything's going to be all right. If he's with you, it's all going to be okay, no matter what land he's called you to be in. He says, I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I'll give all these lands and will confirm the oath. I swore to your father, Abraham, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. you know what he's doing now? same promise he gave to Abraham, now he's giving it to Isaac. The cultivation doesn't take place in a geographical location. It takes place where? Now, don't get me wrong. Covenant also makes a big deal out of the land that God has given Israel. And guess what? I don't care who's against Israel. They're not going to be uprooted from their land ever again. I don't care how many things they throw and how much politics and who condemns them and calls them this and calls them that. God has restored them. And prophetically, they're there to stay. And I pity the poor fool who tries to move them out. We know in the Word of God what happens when they do try to do that. So, you know, land and covenant, it's an important deal in the mind of God. But you have to understand in terms of your spirituality, you right now are a walking cultivation. Because that is where these things happen, inside the heart of the born-again believer. So it says, so Isaac stayed in Gerar, and then uh, later on in that uh, chapter, verse uh, 12, Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Say what with it's not location, it's condition. That's why a lot of people have what I call the itch. They get an itch and they go over here. They get an itch and they go over there. They get an itch and they move here. They get an itch and they move over there. Instead of realizing that it's not in the itch. Denzel Washington put it like this. A lot of people have destination addiction. When I get here, everything's going to be great. Wherever you are, that's where you are. The issue is not the destination. You be where God's told you to be and just be at peace and then realize that you're going to produce and cultivate supernatural increase, not because of the geographical location, but because of what? Now, if God has commanded you to be in a certain location, then you can't have confidence for increase if you're disobeying God. Isaac, stay put. Isaac, do what I tell you to do. I'll be with you and I'll bless you. So that's what he did. It's a big deal that he did what God said. Now Isaac planted crops in that land in the same year, reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich. I think I call that supernatural increase in the middle of a famine he became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. It's time for you to stop envying the world. and It's time for the world to start envying you because of supernatural increase. Uh, just the other day, someone, you know, I was on the telephone, but told me that a reporter come by to try to, uh, talk about uh, pastoral parsonages parsnage, in Texas and the investment the ministries make, and some of the people in ministry own their own homes, and other people have a, a ministry provided thing. And they asked my opinion. I said, This is nothing but a hit piece getting ready to be written. Somebody's wanting to make a big deal out of maybe somebody who lives in this city in Texas or this city in Texas. And I'll tell you all, well, don't ever criticize or judge a man of God as anything because you don't know the price has been paid to get where they're at. You don't know what they have sung. You don't know what they put up with. You don't know how the devil tried to get them to faint a thousand times and didn't do it. And then God turned right around and said, because you wouldn't quit, I'm going to bless you. And this alarm bell went off in of my spirit, and I said, this is nothing but a hit piece getting ready to happen. Happened to be a very famous investigative reporter who's very, very classy and knows what to say, but how help me understand, they don't ever write anything positive about men and women of God and the church in this culture. I just said it to say this, that you should not have a problem with God supernaturally increasing you, and you should not care what that world thinks. And you shouldn't care what religious people think. Does that make sense? The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation to them that what? That are believing believers. And if somebody else doesn't want to believe like this, they don't want to believe that God could do something like this for them that he did for Isaac, that's their business. Don't let them talk you out of it. They can wrinkle their nose up at you until it sticks that way. But you just keep on believing God. Amen. And then one day they'll be looking at you, not with judgment, but oh my goodness, look what God did in their life. And you'll just be praising God. Look what he did. He took care of all this stuff. He's on my, he's on my side. Hallelujah. He is blessing my life. That's what Jesse said one time to a reporter. You don't like what I've got here? Blame God. Just go make an appointment and blame God because everything he has done. Look at somebody and tell them, if you don't like it, you can lump it. Blame God. He's the one that did it. Especially when it comes to this dynamic of supernatural increase. Listen to the phrase, supernatural. Beyond the natural, right? We know there is demonic supernatural behavior and activity, and we know there is godly supernatural behavior. And how do you know the devil's not blessing you? So, where does supernatural increase come from? It comes from God. You'll think about the devil's activity against man. He causes man to lose, to take away, to destroy. From the story of Job to modern history and warfare to what you see him do. He comes, the Bible says, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly to the full till it what? Till it overflows. Look at somebody and say, if they don't like it, they can blame god you know this was his idea long before you were born do you know that john 10:10 10, 10 is much older than you yeah. the jeremiah 29:11 is even older than that yes. amen and how about genesis 1:26 through 28 that's really old it all predates you your decision is just to believe god said i'm a believer i'm a believer Glory to God. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him, so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father, Father Abraham the Philistines, stopped up, filling them with earth. And there's another message here, but how many understand, you're not going to stop a man of God in the will of God doing what they're supposed to do. They're always going to have everything that they need to make this work. God has to supernaturally provide it. So, There are many Christians that are deceived into thinking that if they just went here or there, they would get increased. The problem is the issue is not the geography. It is the heart of the believer. It's the breakthrough happens in you, not in some geography. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart and keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the what? the issues of life or the spiritual forces of life. The, the ESV says, the heart is a sore from which the increase actually springs. Say that with me. The heart is the place where the increase springs. Uh, that Part of it is, is really my paraphrase, but understand this, the, the concept of the heart producing something, and that kind of makes it important, doesn't it? Amen? You know, for example, we can say, don't be bitter, forgive people. Why? Because you're not worth my harvest. Does that make sense? You you stab me in the back, I'm going to walk on with God because I'm not going to lie what you did to stop my harvest. My heart's not going to be filled with anger and with folly and, you know, with recrimination and with bitterness because I'm working on something. I mean, how tragic would it be for you to be believing God for something and God's about to really, you know, just just crank this thing up in your life and the devil sends some people to mess with you and everything you've been believing for is compromised. It's not bad enough that they hurt you. Now they have to steal from you too. Rip you off as well. It's not enough to run you in the ground. Amen. So, Pastor, I've been listening to what you had to say and that little boy said in that video you know, about, uh, you know, my name being safe in other people's mouths and I feel like my name's not safe in some people's mouths. Well, join the club. You can't do anything about whether your name is safe in somebody else's mouth, but you have everything to say about whether other people's names are safe in your mouth. That's the thing you focus on. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to do what? I'm going to get the sweet revenge of supernatural increase. Amen. So walk on with God in this thing. So, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow, flow. The source of all these wonderful things is the garden of the heart. Now, real quickly, go to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to lay this foundations for you. And Mark 4 makes it absolutely irrefutable that the ground that God supernaturally sows into and produces harvest from is the human heart. The ground that he actually sows into and produces harvest from is the ground of the human heart. Everything that might be missing in your life can be grown. Everything that maybe you'd have a desire for can actually be grown if you follow these principles. Get to Mark chapter 4. And let's look at verse 14 for a moment. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows what? The word. So what is the seed? For every crop, what's the seed going to be? For anything you'd be believing God to grow, what's the seed for it? It's the word. No, it's not religion. Not the farmers and almanacs. Not what the New York Times said. Huh? I mean, this is one confused society. People don't know what gender they are. Amen? Some of them identify as white people as being blacks. There are people that are black identifying as white. They don't know, you know, what their heritage is. They're confused. And yet guns are the problem in America. No, stupidity is the problem in America. We need the wisdom of God. Amen? Amen? And so, you know, you think about this, uh, the key to overcoming anything is, is what God thinks. So right now, the culture may tell you to drop the Word of God on this issue, or walk away from this issue, or dumb that down, or don't you dare speak up for God on this issue. Understand this, if you throw down the Word of God, you're throwing down the seed that would transform this society, this nation, your lives. There is no other seed that can do that. It brings itself to pass when it's acted on in faith. So if the devil can get you and get preachers to stop teaching and preaching the Word, then we are done as a nation. This is the key. We cannot give up on the supernatural seed of God's Word because this is how we grow things. Well, if you're opposed to God, and I suppose as a culture you don't like what God's perspective is, the last thing you want to do is more harvest from the Word. But from our perspective, that's the key. It is what did God say and continuing to sow that word day in and day out consistently all the days of our lives. That's how you can turn anything around. You can turn a a life around, a marriage around, a family around, a city around, a nation around with what? With the seed of the word of God. So read on with me. How then will, will you understand any parable the farmer sows the word. Now some people, and I want you just to think about this when we say the word, some people, the hearts of people. Some hearts are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now what's going to happen if we throw seed on top of the concrete outside this building? It's either going to get washed away, or guess what, the birds are going to come and eat it up. It's not going anywhere in that particular kind of heart's it goes on to say, others or other hearts like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Why would they receive it with joy? i tell you why. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. When you have your eyes opened up to the word of God and the revelation of God and his word and what he said he'll do, get all the religion out, you're excited. You're thrilled. Joy comes. The problem is with that revelation comes a thing called trouble and persecution. This is where we're losing a lot of so-called word of faith people. Notice I said so-called. They tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. Faith tried you and you didn't work. Faith is not corruptible, do you see this? Because it comes from the Word of God. So, some other factor is playing in that issue. For example, like weariness, or coming out of love, or not developing your patience, or some other variable. But I want you to see, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the Word, they quickly fall away. So, as fast as they're excited, they walk away from this stuff, disgruntled, offended, put out. And not just with the message, but with the messengers... And with the churches that are also involved with the message, they get put out and set aside because it ain't happened like they thought it was supposed to happen because they didn't see this as a process that required diligence. They saw it as a magic potion or a wand. If I'll just wave the magic faith wand, everything will be perfect in my life. Well, there's a problem with that because faith attracts trouble. It attracts persecution. Read the word, get faith, get nailed. Congratulations, I'm glad you came tonight. This does not protect you from trouble or persecution. What does it do? It brings you what? Through victorious, everything that would try to hinder your life and come against you. You'll stay in the word, you'll stay in faith, you'll overcome every activity of the enemy, of the adversary. You will overcome every mountain, every trouble, everything that happens, all the persecution, but you've got to do what? Now some people when trouble persecution come, they just throw up their hands, "Well, that's enough, I've had it." And they live a marginal life from there on. I've been around long enough to see people with a a God-ordained call on their life, anointing on their life, and this trouble and persecution came. They just walked away like it didn't mean anything to them at all. And you know where they are today? I've also been in this long enough that I could track what happens to people when they do that. You You know what happens to them? You know what they're doing right now? Absolutely Nothing. Living that same old natural life, marrying and giving in marriage, you know, having some babies or maybe some grandbabies and working a job and growing old. And one day they'll die and somebody will say something nice at their funeral. Let me tell you something. God has more in mind for you than that. To live a life of of what? Of meaning, of significance, of purpose in God. It's more than that. And to do that, you're going to have to realize if you sit under the teaching like this, trouble or persecution is going to come. Well, then I won't sit under under teaching like this where trouble and persecution is going to come. If If you excuse yourself from that, you also excuse yourself from the victory that comes from that, the power that comes from that, the anointing that comes from that, the joy that comes from that. Yes, we've been through some stuff. But can you imagine how much you're going to beat the devil up with your testimony of how nothing he threw at you worked? Amen. You're still here. Right. You're still loving God and walking with God. Yes, trouble or persecution came because of the word, but instead of shriveling back immediately and quickly, you held your ground. That's why we talk about this as a process, not just something you do and try a little bit and see if it works and I'll walk down that path. No, you got to cross the line, my brothers and sisters. you got to cross that faith line and say, you know what, I'm not going to go anywhere. And Jesus turned to His disciples and said, are you all going to take off too? What did Peter say? To whom shall we go? You have the what? The words of eternal life. You're the one with the seed bag. Where will we go? I mean, he was goofy sometimes, but at least he knew that. And that's what you need to do tonight. You know, though none go with me, still I will follow. I am crossing that faith line, and I'm not looking for utopia. I'm not looking for some bubble existence. I'm looking for when something comes at me, you come at me with spear, you come at me with javelin, you come at me with the words of an uncircumcised Philistine, I come at you in the name of the Lord God. And he'll direct my stone. Amen. God did not make the giant disappear. You see this? God used the faith to direct that stone and the anointing took him down because the man of God stood. Not sat there petrified in fear like the rest of the camp of Israel. What was David? He was a word of faith guy. Who was the original word of faith guy? Paul, after the teachings of Jesus. Amen. In fact, coin the actual term, the actual phraseology. Nothing to be proud of and nothing to be ashamed of. It's just who we are, people of faith. And what happens is when the word comes, especially when it's really planted in there and you're excited about it, say it with me, the word I'm excited about is working for me. Say it like this, the seed that I'm excited about is working for me. So you're not where you want to be. Can I tell you something? If you'll just hang in there, you'll be amazed how far God will take you. This is not going to be a lousy year for you. I said, this is not going to be a lousy year. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, some good things are going to happen to you in Jesus' name. And whatever is messing with you, you're going to turn it around and use it as a club and beat the devil in the head until he's silly. That's what happens when people stand. That's why the Bible says, "Having done all the... Stand. It doesn't like say, having done all to stand, whine. Having done all to the stand, then quit. Having done all to stand, you'll stand. Yes, the devil wanted to take you out, but it didn't work. Amen. Now, you're going to use these as testimonies to encourage other people. And the Philistines are going to look at you and envy. They took a licking and kept on thicking. You don't think that encourages people? I can't tell you how many people, but I'm telling you, people are watching you. No, they're just watching the preachers and the deacons. No, they're watching you. We're not where you work. We're not where you are. They see you. And are you going to roll with this thing and come out victorious? Yeah, Yeah, you are. Because you're working on something. Amen. There's a crop growing in here. Glory to God. He goes on to say, still other hearts like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. Now watch this. They, They didn't get on the path. The birds did not eat up this seed. They didn't spring up and then die because trouble and persecution came. They navigated that test. They did just fine on that. But this third group, It says, others like seed among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. What does this mean? They're growing. Trouble and persecution didn't get them. Now growing alongside with that crop in their heart are weeds. Now what you and I have to do is we have to make sure that we don't deal with the weeds at the start of the crop, but throughout the process. These things that come in there and try to choke out the Word of God. There are people that actually are are like that. And this just shows you just how how clear it is that the human heart is actually, you know, where this growing, this developing takes place. Amen. That's one of the reasons why it's so important for you to have a time of fellowship with God so He can help you out. And and by help you out, I mean nail you, convict you, Pointing things out to you. You didn't handle that quite right. You walked out of love in that situation. I need you to do thus and so. Whatever it is, correction is not bad. It's good. Think of it this way from now on. So being negative about repentance and having this negative connotation. I don't know how it happened, but repentance should be positive in your mind. It means whatever is between you and the Lord can instantly be taken care of. Amen? Not because... You know, you need be saved 15,000 times, but that fellowship does not need to be broken. You need to have confidence when your heart's condemning you. What you need to do is do what David did. I said, I will confess my transgression and sin the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my what? Of my iniquity. If we sin, he is what? He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, but what does it say? If we... yeah. So it's not negative confession, repentance. These are not negative things. Have a, have a positive view of these things and from now on you should rejoice. You come out of prayer and God fingered something reminding you just minding your business on the job and all of a sudden have you ever had the Holy Ghost interrupt your day? Yeah you were short with somebody and he said mm-mm. From now on say it with me from now on from now on, from now on view that as God weeding you. Yes. That's a weed that needs to come out. That was a good thing, because if the weed's out, then what happens is it can keep growing and produce a harvest. Still, there's a fourth kind of heart. Others like seeds sown on good soil. Look at somebody and say, now he's talking about me now. This is where I am. Come on, say he's talking about me. Say it. I've been waiting all night long for him to talk about me. (laughs) This is me. Others like seeds sown on good soil. Hear the word. Right? Accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I perceive we have some Isaac anointings in this room tonight. Amen. Amen. If he could do it, that means it could be done. Yeah. Right. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, that's for that those people. They're super special and, and they're in that kind of ministry. And they live over in this city and they go to this church, blah, 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 had nothing to do with it. The same word that worked in Abraham's heart will work in your heart tonight. The same word that works in Isaac's heart will work in yours tonight. It's just about the process of cultivation. So I want to leave you with some thoughts tonight. And then Sunday morning, I want you to be in prayer because we're going to go step by step through the cultivation process. And when we're done, we're going to have people harvesting left and right in this church. Amen. They're going to be growing up and springing up. and Blessings and good things are going to happen. But I want you to see very three important points. Number one, write this down, the locus of cultivation, the locus or location, the place where it all happens, is the human heart. You have to understand that supernatural increase is developed and grown in the heart. I want to say it again, supernatural increase is developed and it is harvested in the human heart. That means that somebody else out there is not the key to your increase. No man, no system, no employer, no situation, no one is the master over that harvest. Guess who is? You under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The heart is the key. Now raise your hand if you have a heart. (laughs) Now we're not talking about the blood pumper, we're talking about the what? The spirit of the man, the Bible says, is the candle of the Lord. It's the part that he lights up. It's the part that actually is experienced the new birth. It's the part in you that's perfect. Without interference, without weeds, without quitting, without getting all discouraged and depressed, left alone with you and the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, that ground will always produce. It's perfect. Look at a ground, piece of ground in Kentucky or North Carolina, Tennessee, Illinois, where the ground is so fertile, you can say, you know, that, that that ground would grow anything. Those are just blessed people that live there because it'll just grow anything. Look at somebody and say, your ground was made perfect. Watch this. It is perfect, but it can be crowded with weeds and rocks It can be neglected. It can be overrun. You can abandon it. Amen? Because of trouble or persecution. But it's perfect. It is perfectly suited for receiving the word of God. Say this to me. My heart is the depository for the word of God. That's where it was designed to go. Don't put you much emphasis on symbolism and everything out there. That's perfectly fine if it's not contradictory to Scripture. But the point is, your heart is what was designed to deposit the Word of God. Jesus makes it plain in Mark 4 and in other places. So the locus of supernatural harvest is where? The locus of cultivation is the heart. Amen? That's the perfect part of you. Now, your body's not perfect yet. And your mind's not perfect yet. And your will's not perfect yet. And dear God, we know that most people's emotions aren't perfect yet. That's where sanctification comes in, right? And that's where glorification comes in. The restoration of God's presence, power, and goodness on your mind, your will, your emotions, sustaining your body, and one day giving you a different kind of flesh. And so when you're on the other side and the day of the resurrection comes... You are perfect in every way. What a day. I said, what a day. In the meantime, you should advance in this glorification. In the meantime, you should see your heart for what it is, the perfect, you know, repository, depository for the Word of God. And it can grow a harvest, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Write this down as well. Number two, the process of Cultivation. The process. You've got to understand that this is a process, which means that time is going to go by. Which means steps are involved. Which means diligence is involved. Um, I wish we could just hear a sermon one time, understand it, receive it, say hallelujah, and wake up tomorrow morning, there's the harvest. That's just not the way this works. Now, can God do something like that? He does stuff like that. He, he does things supernaturally. But the problem with seeing things like that in retrospect, for example, we may see somebody in Scripture that appears to get an instant healing. We don't know how long they've been praying. We don't know if the, the man at the Temple Gate Beautiful have been calling on God or even asking other people to pray. For we don't know that. We don't have all those details. Oftentimes what looks like an instantaneous harvest we don't have the backstory for it. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't do instantaneous miracles. He does instantaneous miracles. I have seen them, and so have you. Amen. But the normal way of operation in the kingdom of God is seed time and its harvest. Listen to this in Mark 4, verse 26. This just underscores the concept of process. Say it with me, cultivation is a process in the human heart. and Mark, it says, He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed in the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. You see the perfection of the human heart there that's born again. Now, if you're not born again, guess what you're producing? Sin get sin. Rebellion gets rebellion. Destruction begets destruction. I don't care you look at somebody, you think they're so successful and look at all they got and whatever. I'm telling you that on the inside, they're producing decay every single day. You just don't see it. How many people that have, have had amazing talent in singing and music have left this life early? I don't care who you are, but if you just stop and listen to Whitney Houston, you'll say one thing that girl is anointed. But was that anointing ever fully released for the benefit of those on the earth? People are entertained, they're impressed, but look at the destruction. It's very rare that you see people of great wealth and great fame, great power in that realm of entertainment where there's not a thousand things going with it because what? They don't have the ability to do what? They don't have the ability to produce a good godly harvest. Why? They're not born again. But boy, when they get born again, everything can change. And the good news is God's doing great miracles in every gate in our, in our community, in our world, in our country, including entertainment. It's staggering what some people that are evangelists to entertainers are doing right now. And ball players. There are professional ball clubs right now where two-thirds to four-fifths of the clubs are all born again. College, professional sports, that just didn't happen by accident. Somebody is doing what? Somebody is sowing some seed and doing what they're supposed to do. And some of them got fired for it. Um, There's a man who was a, as as he a deacon in Carbondale, Illinois, and uh, born again, spirit-filled, loved God with all his heart and loved to reach people. And uh, Southern Illinois University made him the head coach. And he led SIU to a national championship of that football team. But he also led almost everybody on that squad to the Lord. And when Memphis State saw his success, they wanted to talk to him about their program. And they wanted his coaching and they wanted his athletics, but they wanted nothing to do with his Jesus. And when he started leading people to the Lord, they fired him. Uh, not everybody celebrates this. Amen. But the point is, it's a process for you and for me. And it says, watch this. It's like a man. The kingdom of God is like a man scatters seed on the ground. That's what the kingdom is. It's seed scattering. It's seed sowing. That's how the kingdom works. I want a different system, Pastor. There is no other system. That's it. Kingdom way or what? Your own way. Left to your own way. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Shout out to me. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how the kingdom works. How many of you want to know how the kingdom works? Yes, yeah. yeah, so this is how it works. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. Watch this process. Seed in the soil, soil producing grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, and as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest is what? Has come. And the same person that's scattering the seed is the same person who's supposed to harvest it. And that's why this process and this teaching on uh, you know, the seven steps of cultivation are so critical that we get a hold of this and learn, not just somebody tell you, here's the process, but actually show you the process and tell you how to work it. And whatever needs to be grown. You look at the Word of God and you say, you know what? That's not happening in my life or that's not happening in in my family. I'm not seeing this. I need to do something about this. Now you can just cry and moan and groan or say this stuff doesn't work for me. Or you can begin to say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to plant the heavenly seed and grow this in my life, in my family, because this is how the kingdom of God works through seed time and harvest. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle in it because the harvest has come. We'll show you what that sickle actually is and how to use it in your life. But understand this, the locus of the cultivation is your heart. Say, it's my heart. heart. That's where I grow things. As long as you're still looking out there for your supernatural increase, it's going to be hard for you to receive it. This is God's ordained method of taking you from one place to another in terms of your increase. Number three, understand the habit of cultivation. This needs to be your habit, your lifestyle. Sow seed, protect the heart, reap the harvest, do it again. Sow the seed, protect the soil, protect the the crop, harvest it, do it all over again. Some people are are legitimately trying to get a handle on this, but we've got to understand the difference between part-time planters and full-time sowers. This is a lifestyle. Say it with me, it is a lifestyle of farming, of seed time and harvest. And what would happen if a farmer just went out there and said, you know, for the next five or six years, I'm not gonna do anything with this land. Is he gonna get a harvest off of that? Weeds or whatever, but he's not gonna get what he used to get from that. Well, what if you stopped sowing seed? Hey, don't complain about not having a harvest if you no longer sow seed. Well, I came to church. That's not enough. I could keep you here all night and it still would not be enough. And I can do it. I can give you all 45 parts in one night. Amen. You'll be walking out with the red eyes, a day's look on your face, but your heart will be exploding with the Word of God. Hallelujah. But you can do this every day. You should be doing this every day. Putting it before your eyes. Talking the Word of God with your mouth. Listening to the Word preached and taught. We've never been in a day in this. The truth, Rodney, where so many great resources by great men and women of God, faith-filled people, have put their resources out there just for the taking. Amen. Just for the sowing. Watch. If you put the word before your eyes, it's going to get sown into your heart. If you put it before your ears, it's going to get what? Sown into your heart. And when you speak the word out, you get a double sowing there. You sow it when you say it, and then guess what happens when you say it? You hear it, and you get a double dose of seed when you say it. That was worth coming to Hope Harbor Church in 2021 for. I get it when I see it, I get it when I hear it, and when I speak it, I get a double dose of seed. Raise your hand if you could use a double dose of some seed in some areas of your life. Amen? Praise God. So, it's got to be a lifestyle to you. This won't mean anything. If it's hit and miss, or I'll try this, or whatever. I'll kind of watch and see if anybody gets any kind of results from it. no. You want to you wanna jump right in there and say to yourself, I know what the locus of cultivation is. I know what the process of cultivation. And now I want to embrace the habit or lifestyle of cultivation. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening. Let not your, hand, your hands be idle, for you, did not, you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. What's he doing? Sowing in the morning. Sowing in the evening. Next day, gets up. What's he doing? Sowing in the morning. Sowing in the evening. A lot of Christians are sowing in the evening. Then 10 months later, sowing again. When the crisis comes. Now, you don't want to be trying to get the process of cultivating, you know, results and supernatural increase just because the crisis has come. You already want some crops in the ground when the crisis hits. Amen. And some that are about... To harvest, glory to God. So the key is, no, we don't do this when problems come. We only do this for a little while. You know, this is our lifestyle now. Say it with me. I am a full-time sower, not a part-time planter. Say it. My heart is where the seed is deposited. My heart is where the crop grows. Say it with me. It's a process, and it is now my habit in Jesus' name. Do you know that you cannot overdose on the Word of God? I challenge you to try. All you're going to do is just get more and more harvest from it. Amen? Why? Because the Word is supernatural seed. It has the power to bring itself to pass. If it finds a born-again heart and that heart perseveres, nothing can stop it from having a harvest. Amen? Come on, say, he's talking about me tonight. So I want you to pray about this, and I want you to listen very intently as we go over this, begin to go over this on Sunday, that uh, we just need to know that this is how God designed it, and uh, our job is just to accept what God has said and then uh, agree with it. And, you know, that's all, if you want to live, very your if you want to live a victorious life in God. Find out what He said and just agree with it. Don't fight it. Don't play games with it. Don't argue doctrine. Just simply find out what He said and then agree with it and you'll see God do things in your life. Amen. What about you bow your heads for just a moment? How do you need to grow something in your life? It could be in the physical realm or relational realm or financial realm. You need some increase, supernatural increase. Raise your hand up high and don't be ashamed of You, you just need you need to see some harvest in your life. You needs to see something happen. Amen. We're just going to agree together. Hallelujah. And say this with me out loud. Have father the first thing I want to do tonight is repent. I want to repent because that ground has stayed fallow too long. There's not been a planting. There's not been a believing like there should have been. In Jesus name, I ask your Holy Ghost to search my heart for any weed, any obstacle, any rock that is blocking this process. In Jesus' name, I'm making up my mind to sow the Word of God like never before. My heart is ready. I'm born again. I have the new birth. Therefore, my ground is always good ground. It's 30, 60, and 100 ground. All I need is the seed and perseverance and diligence and my heart We'll produce a harvest from the incorruptible seed that is God's word. So I'm believing right now this area in my life that may be broken, missing, damaged. I'm growing it back. This is how the kingdom works in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you in advance. Anybody can praise you on the top of a combine. But I'm praising you before it even manifests. Before I even see the stalk, I'm praising you and thanking you. And I'm going to thank you each step of that process in Jesus' name. Here comes my harvest. This is my year of supernatural increase in Jesus' name. And Did you believe that tonight? Glory to God. I see a big harvest coming for you. Amen. Look at somebody and say, hello, Isaac. Hello, Isaac. You look good for your age, Isaac. Yes, you do. Amen. <laughs> well, let's give him a big hand clap and thank him for that.